Where were you as peer of the realm or as London citizen yesterday morning when all of this happened? I was basically a London citizen, as I think we all are. We all felt ourselves very much a Londoner, and I was in London at my house, but nowhere near the explosions. When did you first hear of them? Well, in the morning, fairly early, uh, my secretary didn't arrive on time, and when she did, she said that there were no tubes running. She thought it was an electrical fault. But when she got her newspaper, the newspaper men usually know everything, he said there are rumours that it's an explosion. And so we got we, we heard on the television, and then we heard the news. The first bomb went off at 8.51, um, and that was um, at Liverpool Street. Then we had one at King's Cross at 8.56, quickly afterwards, then at Edgware Road, and then uh, last of all at 9.47, um, the blowing up of the bus. So we had 56 horrific minutes, mm -hmm. which uh, resulted in over 50 deaths hundreds injured and really although we knew it was going to happen we'd been warned about it we knew um, that the terrorists had us very much in their sight when it actually happens it's always surprising that you realize that with part of your mind you really didn't believe it would happen you of course have been through something like this before what i have oh, in mind yes. is nothing less than the bombing of London in World War Two. Oh, yes, indeed, I did. And my um, my second daughter was born in Queen Charlotte, which is a very big maternity hospital, yeah. during the worst of the the uh, flying bombs, the ones which had um, um, came over with uh, no men in them, you know, yeah. and, and the... The, uh, the V1s and V2s, I think. They yes, they were very terrifying. But, of course, um, although I lived through all that bombing... Um, there's something rather different about feeling mm. that you have people living in your community who are planning uh, these horrific actions. I it, mean, in a war, you know who your enemy are. They're up there in airplanes, and um, you can retaliate. Uh, but this is something so horrific. And also, I suppose, Milt, we all feel this. These are people you cannot negotiate with. Uh, they have really, uh, I suppose, two aims. They want to destroy your freedom, your way of life, um, and they just want to kill you, and uh, there's nothing more to be said about Curiously, it. You just have to, uh, um, you know, endure and make sure that they don't succeed. Last night on the air here at WGN, we, of course, uh, cancelled our regular program and did a program uh, concerned with the events in London yes. and the larger meaning of those. One phone caller uh, said, well, I think the answer is for us to simply be more humanitarian towards uh, all of those people oh. with complaints about us. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, Milt, honestly, it is, it is hopeless. They, they don't want it, they don't understand it. They, they, they are killing in the name of their religion, very mistakenly. Um, and you just have to do everything you can um, to see that they don't succeed. You can't get round a table with people whose one wish is to kill you. There is a large Islamic community in the UK, and certainly uh, in London. Uh, what's your sense, and for that matter, what's the sense of those who do the intelligence investigations as to how much disloyalty uh, may be represented thereby? Well, we don't know precisely, but we certainly know that hundreds of... Uh, uh, Muslims who are British subjects have been trained in Afghanistan by yeah. Al Qaeda, and have then come um, back to and then have and come have back. Come to back. Yeah. And they and we know they are undoubtedly here. We don't know how many of them, but unfortunately, we have got the government admits this: uh, 500,000 illegal immigrants. We don't know who they are. We don't mm -hmm. know where they are. We have had very little control of our boundaries. And, of course, it's extremely difficult to have control of your boundaries when you're a small country on the edge of the greater European mass. Um, 
and where you have a very, on the whole, a, a very liberal attitude, you know, to uh, newcomers. But no, no, I'm not sure how that works. We have a problem of illegal immigration, but we've got two borders, particularly the Mexican border, where people can march across on, yes. in, in some stealth. You are surrounded by water. How do the illegals get in? Well, they get in. They, the, most of them have got to France, where the, the French have them in sort of camps. And then they uh, get onto lorries, which come over. So now we've got to see the... Um, they don't have to come by sea. They the, come by, by the, the tunnel. tunnel. Oh, yes. And they get uh, uh, onto lorries. They hide on trains. Um, somehow they manage it. And sometimes they come over, um, you know, for, say, for legitimate reasons, saying they're having holidays here, and then just, just, just disappear. We have not succeeded, really, in controlling our boundaries. And I think that's mm. something we feel very strongly about. And there's no doubt we don't know whether these abominations are by people already here, cells already here, or whether they're outside the country and our uh, intelligence service admit that they don't know that. Tell us, what's your general reading a day after of um, the reaction of the British people and particularly of Londoners? Well, Londoners, um, as one would expect, were really very courageous, um, very resolute, Everyone helped everyone else. But, of course, I think in a great city, that happens when, when you, you get an outrage like this. It did, of course, in New York and after 9-11, didn't it? There were, there were great acts of courage and of, of uh, affection and support of one citizen for another. Um, and I think, in a, in a sense, one really expects that. We had people in the, who were working on building sites outside hospitals and went in straight away and offered blood. We had um, people in the trains trying to help victims who were injured more severely than they were. And certainly all the, um, the hospitals uh, and the security forces were really magnificent. It was, we had plans in place, and they do seem to have worked. But, of course, we hadn't had bombs in the underground, um, even with the IRA. The IRA never did that. Mm -hmm. and the I IRA usually did give warning. In this case, we had no warning, and they struck when uh, perfectly ordinary, humble, working people were on their way to work at the busiest time, soft targets, of course. And not the powerful, just ordinary people, just trying to live their lives normally. Um, it's, it's particularly cowardly and, and disgraceful, of course. It's, it's very horrible and, and very frightening because without the underground, I think London would come to a stop. We need people to travel by underground. It is running again today, though. It's running again today, yes. Um, and people are using it. Yeah. And I shall be using it tomorrow. I mean, we just have to get on with our lives. Our lives. There's nothing else we can do, Milt. We have to be very watchful, very vigilant, but get on with our lives, because clear. otherwise the uh, terrorists win, don't they? Yes, but w uh, one way they win is to dissuade uh, Britain uh, and to dissuade the British government from continued investment in the Iraq war. One member yes. of, the, of, the, of Commons, Mr. Oh. George Galloway, I believe, yes. rose in Commons even yesterday to say yes. that our response to this should be to get out of Iraq immediately. Yes. Well, of course, we've, we've had quite a number of people who do feel that. Uh, there's very mixed, there has always been um, disagreement here um, about whether or not we should have uh, engaged in, in the Iraq war. Um, there always has been, and I think there always will be. What are your own feelings on that? What position have you taken publicly, if any? I haven't taken any position publicly at all uh, on it. I just really don't know. 
um, I, I think I rejoice as everybody does at the overthrow of an abominable tyrant. And it does seem that the Iraqis are happy for that. But I think it's always very difficult from a historical point of view um, to, as it were, um, not invade, but to go into a country to get rid mm. of a horrible ruler unless you have a possible alternative ready to take over. Um, the government, you know, as it were, in waiting, even if it's been suppressed. Mm -hmm. I think if you have a country in which there already there are warring factions, that becomes incredibly difficult. And it must be very, very frustrating for your country, and indeed for ours, that you haven't got somebody who is able to take over and that they will combine together and work together. That's what we all hope they will do. But, of course, they have very deep-seated um, antipathies, haven't they? And, uh, you, you, haven't, you, know, you haven't got um, any kind of government, I think, at the moment, which most of the Iraqis will sort of support and... Uh, uh, and feel, you know, represents them. And when you've got all these warnings, when you've got these different, war almost like different tribes, but actually they, they are more or less different religions, aren't they? Different forms even of um, of Islam. So it it is incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult. You, of course, since your elevation to the peerage over 10 or 12 years, well, about 15 years ago perhaps, uh, are a member of the House of Lords. Will there yes. be a discussion on the present situation as soon as uh, the Lords reconvene. Oh, yes, yes. The, the, the Prime Minister makes a statement of the Commons, and then we hear that statement in the Lords. Yeah. Um, and, of course, no doubt in time uh, there will be some legislation. Um, one piece of legislation uh, which uh, will cause a great, great deal of controversy um, is the proposal uh, by the government that we should have all carry identity cards. Um, and, of course, I think now the government may feel even more strongly that it would be helpful if everybody had an identity card. It's difficult to see how any of this could be prevented by identity cards. And um, especially in the House of Lords, there's a very strong feeling against them. I think partly on libertarian, uh, from the point of view of libertarianism, mm -hmm. but also because no one is really quite confident that the science is going to work. I mean, they, they will have to be identity cards that you can't easily forge. So there's going to be a great deal of information about the color of eyes and all sorts of scientific information on them. And the feeling is that, that, that really the technology isn't quite there so that we should result in spending millions of pounds and have a, a card which isn't really effective. So there are, you know, all sorts of aspects to this. But the um, the libertarian um, view is, is quite strong in, in the country, I think, that we, we don't want um, identity cards. Uh, and, of course, we also have a terrible problem here. We can't, um, uh, we can't deport anybody to a country which has the death penalty. That is part of the European um, law, and we are now officially part of Europe. So we have terrorists who won't go home, I mean, we're very happy to send them home, but they won't go home because they know what's going to happen to them, you know, when they do go home. And we can't um, make them go because there is uh, the death penalty in their country. So we are having to hold them here, and um, this, is, this is a real problem. Phyllis, I must uh, connect your long career and your brilliant work with the present situation. The connection is obvious. As one of the great uh, mystery novelists, more than that, really, a great a major novelist focused upon murder and its detection. Uh, you have thought very deeply about 
the dark side of human nature. You've written very movingly about it. Uh, there is a great deal in humankind that uh, seems to lead us toward destroying one another and and uh, ravaging one another one way or another. Uh, yes. What, um, with all of that, uh, that apperceptive mass that uh, that you carry in your own soul as well as in your own mind, how do you interpret these difficult and really dread times that we've been through over the last uh, seven or eight years? Well, of course, there is all the difference in the world, Milt, as you would know, between the kind of murders that take place in my fiction, which is usually um, an intelligent um, human being who, as it were, crosses the invisible yeah. line between being a murderer and a non-murderer, and murders for uh, probably a logical motive, we never agree with it, but a reasonable logical motive. Mm. Um, and um, really, the interest is very much in what makes that happen. Yeah. Now, here we're, we're faced with, with mass murder. Certainly, I think in some cases, it's absolutely true that the murderers feel they have no other way. If life is absolutely intolerable to them, and they're consumed with hatred against the people they feel are responsible for what's happened to them, uh, then they think there's nothing else they can do uh, but to, to kill. And I think that is probably the problem in, in the Middle East. And I think until we solve the problem of Israel and, and the, uh, of the Jews and, and the Palestinians and get some kind of peace there, however difficult it is, uh, then I think we're we are going to have a great deal of terrorism. I think it fuels it. You think that is the major provo uh, provocation? No, I'm not sure it's the major one, but I think it is a very, very important one. It really is. Do I think it, there's no doubt about that at all. Do you know the thesis developed by um, Sam Huntington of Harvard University in his book about the clash of civilizations? That in essence, and he predicted this some 15 years ago, there is, there will be, said he, a renewed confrontation between Islam and what might properly be called Christendom, even though Christianity is fading in Western Europe. Are we in the middle of that right now? Is I it we, a clash yes, of think, civilizations? Indeed, I think we may well be. Uh, I think the motive, uh, really, for many of these terrorists is, in fact, to have an Islamic world. Yeah. Uh, to impose an Islamic world, I think there's no doubt at all about that. Um, I don't think, I see how they can possibly imagine that they will succeed in doing that by terrorism. But I think that is partly their motive. They may do so it by demography. That well, is to they're say, not exactly wedded to democracy. And no, the I, didn't, I didn't say democracy. I said demography. Oh, demography. Birth rates and well, death rates. Oh, indeed. Indeed, they may. Indeed, they may. That is already visible in other Western European nations. Oh, I think so. And I think here, uh, I shan't live to see it. I'm rather grateful. But I, I believe, you know, that uh, by the end of the century, mm -hmm. we may well be, be a minority here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is perfectly possible. Perfectly possible. Well, the one thing that you and I, as uh, people of some experience and some length of life, understand is that nothing holds stable. Everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes, Melt. Yes, indeed, and we have seen so much, haven't we, in our lifetime? Yes. An extraordinary amount of change. Things that we would never, I would never have believed could have happened. Even if you, I mean, if we think of international affairs, really, or my youth, and I, I think the great international problem, really, was the Cold War, capitalism against communism. And I can remember being in Berlin, looking at that wall, and saying to myself, it will not come down in my lifetime, will <laughs> it come down in my children's? No. And within months, it came down. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was like a domino effect, wasn't yeah. it? 
uh, and and it was magic, and and the world suddenly was was different and changed. And of course, I think it changed mm-hmm. again at nine eleven. It just changed. And possibly it changed again at seven seven yesterday. I think it changed for us at seven seven. I think that there are great problems ahead. One of them, of course, is that we have a population here of law-abiding British Muslims, and they detest what has happened as much as everyone. But it's, you know, this is not going to help race relations in this country. Surely not. No, it won't melt. It's going to be difficult. And, uh, you know, they w- will probably live in some fear. Yeah. Um, th- th- because this is one thing, no doubt, that the uh, terrorists hope will happen. Well, I live in uh, continued uh, borrowed radiance from the pleasure of uh, your company and your conversation. Milt, it's so good to hear your voice. I thank and you so much for joining uh, us today. And um, it's just lovely, and I hope all goes well with you. It does indeed. I uh, hope I may see you. I think we may get to London uh, sometime later in the year or early next year. Oh, well, please get in touch. I will, my When you do, please of course. do get in touch. And if the House of Lords is sitting, it would be lovely if you could come to dinner with me there. I should enjoy that very much. So, so would I, you. of course. Thank you so much, old friend. Thank you. Thank Goodbye. you, Milton. Goodbye. Goodbye for now.